thank you so much for bringing us here this Sunday, Lord. Lord, what a beautiful morning, a beautiful day, God, it is to be with you. Lord, just coming to worship and, and be in your presence as we felt your presence, your Holy Spirit as we've been singing. God, you are here already and we're so filled with you and joy and excitement, God, to start this new year off in this way of seeking you. And so, Lord, I ask that you would bless your word as we begin this new book. God, that you would open up our ears and our eyes and our understanding to the truths that are laid here. And God, may we not just sit there, Lord, but may we listen for your voice. And I pray for your anointing, God, upon this time in your word and that your Holy Spirit would be heavily upon us. So we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I read about this story about three boys who were in a discussion, so to speak, on whose father is the greatest. This first boy said, my dad is the greatest because he's the president of the bank downtown. Well, the second boy said, oh yeah, my dad is the greatest because he runs and he owns two grocery stores. Then the third boy spoke up and said, ah, oh, that's nothing. My dad is the greatest above all. My dad is a preacher and he owns hell. He came home last night and told my mom the church board gave it to him. <laughs> that must have been a rough meeting now for him. Well, we know that there is one person who is above all things, and that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. The early church father, Augustine, once said, Christ is not valued at all unless he is valued above all all. As we begin this new study through the book of Hebrews, we find that there is no one greater, no one higher than God the Son, than our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so in our passage today, we find that Jesus is above all. And that's the title of our message. Jesus is above all. We're going to be studying Hebrews chapter 1 from verse 1 through 3 this morning. Just three verses. You guys are like, oh yeah, only three. Yeah, but we're going to go really long because we're going really deep. No, just joking. The Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. Our outline today is this. Jesus, he is above all because you know what? He is the message, number one. Number two, he is the maker. And number three, he is the majesty. So let's begin here. Jesus is above all. Number one in our outline, he is the message. He is the message. Take a look with me here. Hebrews chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. It reads, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. And then verse 2, has in these last days spoken to us by his son. And we're going to stop right there for now. We begin here with the person God, it says in verse 1, who is really, if you think about it, is the real author of this book or this epistle. Many of Bibles at the top says the epistle to the Hebrews. The epistle means this letter. Back then, 
This is what they would call a letter to one another, and this was written as a letter. But today, it's a book in our Bibles. Well, understand that basically the real author is God. See, in ancient letters, it usually starts out with the name of the writer, as we have seen in many of the New Testament epistles by Paul or, or John or Peter. And so in these ancient letters, it starts with the name of the writer. And though a human being did write this book, you can say, and I like this, what we see in verse 1, that God is the ultimate author of the book of Hebrews. In 2 Peter's one. 2 Peter 1.20, uh, at the second part of verse, into, of, of verse 21, it says this, No prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now we understand that, right? The Old Testament, the New Testament, 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is inspired of God. It's the Holy Spirit who spoke and inspired and moved upon the men, the writers of each book of what we see in our Bible. So we understand that. We understand that God communicates to us through the word that was written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But in this book, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. We don't. Some speculate that it was Paul, yet it's in, in many of the parts or really the book, it's not like exactly the style of his other writings. So some don't believe that. Some say, well, maybe it was Barnabas. Some say it was Apollos. Some even say that, well, Aquila and Priscilla put this together. But we don't know. We don't know exactly. The writer is not mentioned in any area of this book. So as far as wondering who the author is, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. But you know what? That's okay. That's okay with me, for ultimately we know God, who is behind the whole Bible. Anyway, he's the real author here, and I like how it starts out with God. And in the style of ancient letters, hey, who wrote this? We'll say God, right? As he did the whole word of God. God. So being that this is God's word, Hebrew, that's why we are taking the time to study it. That's why we take the time in every book we go through on Sunday morning to study it, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And as we start this book, I pray that you would not miss any part of studying God's word and what he has to say to us here. And with that thought of God being the author of this book, verse 1 now jumps right in to say, look at verse 1, that God, who at various times and in various ways spoke to the past fathers through the prophets. Now, what does that mean, various times and various ways? Well, that means that many times and in many ways, God spoke in the past to the fathers. Who the, who's the fathers? Well, we're talking about the Jewish ancestors here now understand this that the book of hebrews is mainly written to the jews that's the title hebrews it's written to both believing jews believing meaning they believe in jesus christ and those unbelieving jews who do not believe in jesus christ and it was now god says here through the prophets that god sent the truth and his message to the people so in various times many ways god spoke to the fathers in the past 
But how, who did he use? The prophets. So that's interesting to me because it was the eternal God who reached out to people of time and space now to reveal his will, his truth, his love. And if you think about that for a moment, if you look through the Bible, if, 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 if what we've read and studied so far and in all these years, I mean, think about this. Since the time of creation, God has always and consistently been reaching out to people, to his people, with his message of truth and love. And he's done it at many times in many different ways, hasn't he? Psalm 19 tells us the heavens declare the glory of God. In other words, all creations, they witness God. They speak about God. Even Romans 1 says, hey, creation witnesses God so much that no one is without excuse about understanding that God, that there is a God and that God wants to to be with us and God wants to know us. Well, in Genesis 28, we know God spoke to Jacob in a dream. So there is another way that God spoke. In Exodus, right, God spoke to Moses directly, right? God heard his voice in a burning bush or from Mount Sinai in that Shekinah cloud and fire. God spoke through Isaiah in visions. God spoke through Jeremiah in a, in a book. He put a whole book together. Uh, like like the, a scroll or the, or the word that we have today. God spoke through Ezekiel by his actions, like he put together a little toy set of Jerusalem and all that, or he laid on his side for all, a year. God speaks in many, in many times, in many ways, in many ways. So it's pretty clear to the Jews that God did communicate his will and truth to human beings. But what about now? Does God still speak to us? Yes. Look at verse 2. It goes on here. The writer says, In these last days, which refers to the time of the Messiah. That's what it's talking about. Before that was, was the before days, I guess. But now, biblically, it's the last days, which is the time of the Messiah, which spans from Jesus' first coming all the way to Jesus' second coming. And so in this time of the Messiah... It says here, God has spoken or he's given up his message of truth and love by his son. Now, here in the original language, literally, it says in his son. Now, what this tells us is this, like the unrolling of a scroll, God in the past spoke little by little through the prophets. You got a little bit more an idea about God, a little bit more idea of his truth, a little bit more of an idea of what he wants and what salvation is. But now... In Jesus, God has fully revealed His truth, how to be saved, His love, how to have a relationship with Him. The idea is in Jesus, we have that truth. The idea is Jesus is that message, and thus our our heading for our outline, He is the message of God. He is that message. No wonder Jesus said in John 14, 6, you guys know this, right? What did Jesus said? say? He said, I am, what? The way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So right away, the writer's presenting Jesus in this huge way. Presenting Jesus in, in, in someone that, not just some ordinary person, He's not just some 
teacher that has come to this earth and taught us things, right? He's not just some prophet. He's not like the latest or greatest prophet to come. No, he has revealed things that no other prophet could ever do. He has done things that no prophet has ever done. Jesus is above all prophets. And it's not so much that Jesus brought the message from the Heavenly Father, but he is the message from the Father. So what's the writer's point here? This is what he's saying. Jesus is where you find God's complete and absolute truth. Jesus is where you find God's complete and absolute truth. I believe in absolute truth. Do you? I believe there's a, there's a truth there that, that is true. I mean, people say, well, I have the truth, or they have the truth, they have the truth. But, but how do you know what's really true? Well, you find out from God. And how do you find that out? Well, from Jesus. Jesus is where you find God's absolute, complete and absolute truth. I was thinking about this. Most of my um, Christmas shopping last month was done online with Amazon. <laughs> I mean, I, how many of you do, do, did a lot of shopping online? It's so much easier, especially on the island, right? I mean, in this day and age, and especially living here, you don't have access to all the stores and limited resources. But, hey, I can still find very meaningful uh, presents online, so don't judge me here. Um, <laughs> but as I'm looking for that perfect present, right? One of the main things I look for in an item is, hey, if it has at least a four-star review. Don't you guys do that? You make sure you read the reviews. You make sure you do your homework. You don't just buy something. You make sure there's four stars. As a matter of fact, you know, on the search, you can filter out and just click on the four, four or five stars above. And so you know, hey, this product that's listed here, they're all like four stars, four or five stars. And I like to do that. I like to do the research. I like to read over all the reviews to make sure it is a good buy that I'm purchasing here online. But you know what? I recently came across this article that said, you cannot trust all reviews. Some are fake. I was like, shocked. Wait, what? Actually, according to fakespot.com, which is a site, you can actually instantly check this item and see if the reviews are real. They say, and I, I don't even want to say this. I'm going to ruin your day. They say that on average, 40% of Amazon reviews are fake. I was like, no! <laughs> Bummers. You can't fully trust what they're saying in the reviews. But I guess it makes you do more homework on that. Well, when it comes to things about God, there, are, there is a lot of talk about what's true. What does God like? How are you to be saved? What is sin? What is not? What's the standards that God wants us to do now? Is the Bible relevant or not today? Is this ancient book really, is, there, is this really God's word? How do we know if it's true? What can you fully trust? You know what? If you want to know everything about who God is, what he wants, how to be forgiven, how to be saved, where you go? To Jesus. To Jesus. Listen, if you want to know what God thinks of this world, what God's will is for you, does God really love you? Then look to Jesus. For all that God has to say is found in 
Jesus. And that's what the writer's putting forth there. He is the message. Jesus is where you find God's complete and absolute truth. It's all through Jesus. Now, let us make 2019 the year that we really put weight on Jesus' words. That, 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 that we really look to Jesus on the kind of standards that we should uphold in 2019. That the kind of person we should be. What, I, I mean, what does Jesus' words say about how we're supposed to live? What have you been listening for, to for the truth? I mean, what is it that you look to? Is it, well, what you think? Your own perceptions? What you have put together in your mind? Or maybe many times we have been programmed because of the way we grew up, and so we follow tra- what traditions say. And what, you know what, my, my great-grandfather believed this. That's how I grew up, and so that's the way it is. Well, great. But how does it line up to what Jesus says? Perhaps your friends been giving you advice. Is that the truth then? What have you been listening to for the truth? Line it up with the Bible and see if it matches the words of Jesus. Think about it this way. The Jews regarded Moses and Elijah, the two greatest prophets. Yet God's voice from heaven said to Jesus, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You know what he's saying? Jesus, you're above all. You're my message. So as we go into 2019, do you give Jesus that high place of authority in your life? Let the word of God have that place. Let's go on here. Jesus is above all. Number one, he is the message. But now number two, he is the maker. He is the maker. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, it goes on. The second part says this. Whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Okay, this Jesus, who is God's word, he has been appointed heir heir of all things what does that mean well this refers to the time when everything everything in this world is going to come under the rule and reign of jesus it's going to come under his ownership he's going to be the one who owns it who rules over it ultimately it's all going to belong to the lord jesus and be subject to him jesus will take ownership of all things and really we're thinking including this earth we live on and i put that out because i think about when adam and eve sinned in the garden you know what they gave up the earth to satan who has dominion over it now god is sovereign he's in control yes but he allows satan to have dominion to rule to to run amok and do his things on the earth right now but the great thing is what's prophesied in the book of revelation is jesus is, is the only worthy one to break apart the seven seals, which in the end give back the ownership, the title deed of the earth back to God, back to Jesus. Revelation eleven fifteen, 15, the, uh, the all of heaven is, is, is praising God, saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So Christ is the heir of all things. He will take ownership. 
Ultimately, all things belong to Jesus anyway. For it was Jesus, and the next part in this verse is that it was Jesus that made the worlds. He made the whole universe. He made everything in it. What's interesting is the Greek word here is aeon, aeon, where we get our English word eons, which says that Jesus is not just the creator of the material universe, but think about this. Jesus also made the very ages, time and space. Jesus is creator of history it, itself. Jesus made time, space, energy, and matter. Things you can see, things you can't see. Jesus is the creator of all things, and thus our heading here. He is the maker of everything. Speaking of Jesus Christ, John 1, 3 says, All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. He is the maker of everything you see, as you can see, the writer's painting this picture of Jesus for us, right? He's bringing us to this mindset that he's not just this prophet. He's not just this teacher. He is the powerful creator. Jesus is above all. And that's really what I want you to get into your minds this morning. He is above all. He is greater. He's, he's, he's up there. Where have you been putting Jesus lately? Then the writer adds this in verse 3. Take a look here. It reads, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. Now we're going to stop right there. Jesus is the brightness of his glory. Brightness here speaks of the radiance of God's glory. It's, the idea is like the rays of the sun beaming down to earth. Jesus is the very shining forth of God. He is the glory of God. And then it says he's the express image. That word means uh, like the, the exact representation, the exact likeness, likeness of the person of God. The phrase really back then in the ancient times in the Greek speaks about this image and uh, this imprint or stamp that is exactly like the real thing. So Jesus is the exact representation of the nature and essence of God. Now listen to how the NLT puts it. Jesus basically is this, expresses the very character of God. In other words, Jesus himself is the full revelation of God. The idea is when you look at Jesus, you get a perfect picture of God because he's the complete expression of God in a human body. He is God. I like how John MacArthur uh, put it by writing this, and, and, and just listen carefully in a way. I, I think it's well said this way. MacArthur said, just as the rays of the sunlight and the war, war, that just as the rays of the sunlight warm the earth, so Jesus Christ is the glorious light of God shining into the hearts of men. Just as the sun was never without and cannot be separate from its brightness, so God was never without and cannot be separated from the glory of Christ. Never was God without him or he without God, and never in any way can he be separated from God. Yet the brightness of the sun is not the sun. Neither is Christ God in that sense. He is fully and absolutely God, yet is a distinct person. Amen to that. Jesus 
is God. So being that Jesus is God and the creator of all things, he is the one, and look at the, the rest of this part in the verse 3, it says, up, he is the one upholding all things by the word of his power. You know what this is talking about? Jesus sustains all things by the command of his word. That's how powerful it is. That's, that's how he is as a creator. Jesus is the one who keeps the whole galaxy together. Think about this now. If the moon did not stay that, that certain distance from the earth, you know what would happen? All the tides would change, and probably our islands would, would not be here. Most of the island would be gone. The ocean would rise. Think about this. If the earth was not the right distance from the sun, right, what would happen? Well, the farther away, we would freeze. The closer, we would, we would burn up. This position really what is what scientists call the Goldilocks position, right? Not, not too hot, not too cold, right? Right in the exact position. Only the earth is like that. They're looking in the universe for life on other planets, and the way they're looking is they're looking for the Goldilocks planet, the one that's in that right position like the earth. I believe they're not going to find it. I believe God has set this planet, this earth, in that way so we can live on it. That so that we can live for God on it. And God is the one who keeps it right there. Or think about this. All matter is made up of what? Molecules. And molecules are made up of atoms. And atoms are made up of what? Electrons and protons and, and neutrons, right? And, and we, we know that, scientists know that electrons and protons, electrons has negative charges, protons have pos positive Neutrons has what? Neutral, right? But the electrons and protons of the positive and the negative should repel each other. It should just explode apart. But how are they contained here inside of an atom? You know what scientists have found out? They say it's done by, and this is what they call it, atomic glue. That's their technical name. What keeps the, the atom together and everything together? Atomic glue. Oh, wow. Wow. I have a better name. Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus Christ. He's the one that holds things together. Which really brings us to the writer's point here. Jesus is God the creator and sustainer of everything you see and cannot see. Jesus is God the creator and sustainer of everything you see and cannot see. Put that into your minds today. As we launch off here into 2019 on this first Sunday, put that into your mind that Jesus, who you know, he's the creator. He's the sustainer of everything we see. You know, some believe that, that well, yes, God created everything, but then he just let it go. And it's like winding up a little clock, you know, and letting it just run. No, God is intricately in, involved in how this universe works. And that means even in our lives. A little boy's prayer, I think, reflected this truth when he said, Dear Jesus, please take care of my daddy and my mommy and my sister and my brother and my doggy and me. Oh, and Lord, please take care of yourself, God. 
Because if anything happens to you, we're going to be in a big mess. It's true. God is heavily involved in the day-to-day things going on in the universe. You can say that. You can bank on that. That's a fact. Listen, put that into your mind that Jesus is the creator and sustainer of all things, what you can see and what you cannot see. Because if he can keep the universe together, he can keep your life together. If Jesus created this intricate, complex complex universe, then don't you think he can take care of your problems, no matter how complicated it is? If you believe Jesus is God the Creator, then wouldn't it be the best thing to go to Him for guidance and advice? And if Jesus is the sustainer of all things, then can't He keep you going through the hard times? If Jesus keeps the world together, then you know what? No part of your life is out of His control. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He's working. He's there. He's involved. Trust this truth you're seeing right now before our eyes. That He is there for you just as He is. As the creator and sustainer, Jesus is above all. All right, well, Jesus is above all. He is the message. He is the maker. And now number three, he is the majesty. He is the majesty. Hebrews chapter 1 and now the second part of verse 3 says, When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And this is our last section, our last verse for this morning. We're going to go on, even though we're mid-sentence here next time. But for now... We see that this creator and sustainer, Jesus, he came to the earth and by himself, it says here, it means it was his doing. It means that he was the only one who could offer up a perfect and sinless sacrifice. He himself had to die on a cross. By himself, that act, says here, purge our sins. His death brought atonement and forgiveness for the sin that separated us from God. And now we can be completely clean and restored to Him. What a beautiful thing. Just those four words, by Himself purge our sins. This is amazing. Think about what what was just talked about. Jesus, who is God's message, right? Jesus, who is the maker, the creator, the sustainer. He's the one who came. He's the one who made the effort, made the choice to come and fulfill the Father's plan. Isn't this amazing? That the Creator came to us, the creation who had gone against Him in sin and abandoned Him. Yet God came and sacrificed Himself so we can be free. I'll tell you what, this can only mean one thing, and you know what that is? God does love us. Why would he do that? Because of love. I like David Gudzik pointed this out by saying, from the previous description, we know that the Son of God is a being of great power and wisdom. Now we know he is also a being of great 
love who purged the guilt and shame of our sins. And isn't this what John said in 1 John 4, 9? In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. That God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. So even as we read these four words here, that He had by Himself purged our sins. Well, five words, huh? Sorry, can't count this morning. (laughs) You're probably going, uh, you're off here. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I'm off a lot. Ask my wife. By Himself purged our sin. See that as not just the provision for us of salvation, to know God, have a relationship with, to be forgiven and free of guilt, free of sin. But see that equaling love, that Jesus loves me. And now, after his death and resurrection, the verse goes on here and says, Christ has sat down. What does that mean? Well, it means it shows that his work of salvation is complete. We cannot do anything else to add to it. There's no works. There's no, no things that we got to do to save us. It's all been done at the cross and his resurrection. So Christ sat down, which shows his work of salvation is complete. You see, the Jews would would see this as as amazing because the earthly priests of the Old Testament who brought the sacrifices into the temple would always stand as they kept offering the sacrifices. Why would they keep standing? They had to keep working, and their work was never complete. But Jesus' work of salvation was Paul. And then he sat down, where? At the right hand. What does that mean? Well, it shows the honor and authority and power given to Jesus for all that he has done. So he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, which speaks of his position right there with the Father. And this all says that Jesus rules and reigns that he is the Lord, that Jesus holds his position now. He came to this earth as Savior for our sins, but now he holds his position of Lord and King, full of the majesty of God. He is Lord God, ruling and reigning, and Jesus, thus our heading, is the majesty of God. No one else is above him. No, no, no other prophet, no other person. Jesus is above all, and he holds that position. Now, understand that many of the Hebrew writers, now we've got to understand a little bit of the background of this book. Many of the Hebrew writers were going through some tough times. There's pressure from the unbelieving Jews in the community who, who doubt Jesus. They say that he's not the Messiah, so they're getting pressure what are you doing? You're, you're, you're following this heretic. This, this is blasphemy. Some are even slipping back to the old works, the old rituals. They weren't seen as Jesus' death on a cross as a completed work. So they are slipping back into the rituals of Judaism. Some were having a hard time with, with many trials and persecutions that were going on. Some were beginning to doubt Jesus. So the writer will address all these things and trying to show 
that Jesus Christ, he is the Messiah. He is superior to the prophets. He's not just some miracle worker, not just some godly man who came here, not just some teachers, but he's above the angels we're going to see next time. He's above Moses. He's he's above any of the priests we're going to see. He is the Lord God you can put your trust in. Jesus is above all. Which brings us to our theme. Remember, every time we start a book, I give you a theme for the overall book that we're studying and this is our theme hold on in faith by keeping jesus above all things hold on in faith by keeping jesus above all things the theme verse for this book is hebrews 12 2 and it says looking unto jesus the author and finisher of our faith who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You guys, if, if anything will speak to you this morning, let this theme speak to you, because this is what we're going to be really diving deep into. This is what is going to be, be uh, revealed even more in deeper ways as we study this book, is that hold on to your faith. Hold on to who you know. God is. Hold on. How? By keeping Jesus above all things. By keeping Jesus first in your life. By keeping Jesus Jesus of who he is. Looking up to him in this high position. Because you know if he's the creator, he can help you. If you know that he is the message and he has the answers for your life. That no matter what you're going through, knowing that Jesus, who brought salvation to you, completed his work so you, you can go to heaven one day, that he's going to be that author and finisher of your faith, and you're going to make it through in Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Hold on in faith by keeping Jesus above all things. Which now brings us to our very last point this morning is this. Jesus is the Lord and our Savior who sits as the sovereign king over all. Jesus is the Lord and our Savior who sits as the sovereign king over all. Now let me encourage you this morning. Don't just sit there and go, well, yeah, I know Jesus is God. I know the word is important. Well, yeah, I know he's my Savior. I know, I know he's sovereign and all that. Yeah, yeah, I know. What else is there, Rick? Yeah. But let me tell you, if you're saying that, you don't know that. No, I know. I just told you. No, you don't know that. <laughs> you don't know what I mean, right? You know what I mean? I mean, really know that. Because if you really see Jesus as Lord, then you will give your life to him. Then you will submit to him. Then you will live for him. If you really know him as your Savior, then you'll stop trying do, to do things to please him and to get uh, good credits from him. If you really believe that he's the sovereign king over all things, then you will trust him more, even through the worst of times. Jesus is the one, you guys. One of the greatest battles of history was fought in Greece at the Thermopylae. Yeah, I know that one, yeah, right? But anyway, I was reading, so okay. There, 300 Spartans held off the Persian army for days. Eventually, they all died in battle. But after their heroic uh, efforts, uh, Greek school children were required to memorize each of the 300 names of those who perished in honor of their, of 
uh, in sacrifice. But you know what? We must honor and exalt another name. It was Jesus who met the enemy at the dark place of Calvary alone on that cross and single-handedly defeated death, the grave, and hell. So we have but one name to remember and let us never forget. And that is the name of Jesus. So we honor our Lord and Savior, the one who conquered sin in that, the one who purchased our salvation, salvation, the one who made the way that you and I could be forgiven, given new life, the one who sacrificed all for our freedom from sin. We give him that honor. We give him that glory. We remember him in that way. So if you really believe in our last point, right, Jesus is the Lord and our Savior who sits on the... As the, who sits as a sovereign king over all. Let me ask you, do you honor him then in that way? If you really believe that, do you, do you honor him who has done so much for you? In other words, do you treat him like he is the Lord? Do you treat him like he is the Savior? Do you treat him like he is your king? The one who sits in majesty, who fought that fierce battle with great sacrifice and purchase our salvation. Do you honor him? Do you honor him in worship? When you come to church here, do you worship him? Or, oh, this is the warm-up band before the, sh the real show. Yeah. Do you really, when the songs start, really put your mind and heart toward the Lord and sing the words out of your heart and think about Jesus? When you pray, when you pray every day, when you come to a prayer, do you pray to him? Do you really trust in the Lord and give your request to Him or is it just some ritual that you do? I'm going through my prayer list. Okay, amen. See you later, Lord. Yeah? Do you, when you open the Bible, do you honor Him and study and look at the words on your page and think, Jesus, you're speaking to me through those words right now. What do you have to say? Or is it, well, I got my chapter done. Ooh, bow, see you later. Sometimes we can be so distracted with the world and ourselves and our life. What do we got to do? Sometimes we're distracted with our sin. Sometimes we're, we're, we forget Jesus, our King, our Lord, our Savior who gave himself totally for us. Let me ask you this. Jesus, who in his wisdom created all things around us and in us, he created us. Jesus, who loved us so much and came to die for us. Why do you think that then that God can't help you? Why do you think that God won't forgive you? Let me tell you, there's no sin too big for the ruler of the universe to forgive. Why do you think that God does not love you? If Jesus came himself to bring the message of God and to show everyone what God was like, who, who came as, as he's the creator, who came at, to, to die on a cross for us and now sits on the throne, ruling and reigning, saying, come, 
I want to take care of you. I want to be in your life. I want to be part of it. Why do you think that he would not love you today? No matter how you feel today. No matter if in your guilt and your shame. No matter if you've been carrying this guilt and regret and shame today. And you think, I don't know if God loves you. And you drug yourself here and just, oh yeah, i got to go to church. Know this. Jesus loves you. Simple words, but powerful fact. Jesus loves you. But let me say this. If we really do know that Jesus is the Lord and Savior and Creator, and He is the message, He is the Maker, He is the Majesty, then why do we so treat Jesus so poorly. I ask this myself. Is he not worth my love and my obedience? I'll tell you what. In our study, it's going to be revealed here through the book of Hebrews that Jesus is worthy. Let me close with this, the words to this old worship song called Above All. The words go like this. Above all powers, Above all kings, above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man, you were here before the world began. Above all kingdoms, above all thrones, above all wonders the world has ever known, above all wealth and treasures of the earth, there is no way to measure what you're worth. And then the chorus changes, and it says this, crucified laid behind a stone. You live to die, rejected and alone. Like a rose trampled on the ground, you took the fall and thought of me above all. Christ has done so much, guys. Let us honor him and respect him. Not put him in a lower pace in our lives or in our minds, but keep him where he should be. And let our life reflect as we think about who Jesus is, what he's done. And as we follow him, may you and I, may our lives reflect Jesus is above all. Let's pray. Lord, we are so humbled, broken before you with our sins and failure, Lord. You have done so much for us, yet being so great, being our Lord, being our maker. Lord, truly we see your love here. So God, help us today to honor you, to worship you, that our lives be worthy of all that you've done, God. And that we would look to you, God, as our maker, as our Lord, as our Savior. And whatever 2019 brings, Lord, may we put our trust in you with all of our heart. Lean not in our understanding, God. In all our ways, acknowledge you. And Lord, may you direct our path. May we not be wise in our own eyes, but may we fear and honor and respect you and depart from evil. And we know we will find 
life, health, and strength to our very souls. God, we look to you today. You are our hope. You are our joy. You are our peace. You are our love. God, sometimes we don't understand why things happen, why sovereignly you allow things. But Lord, you are Lord. You are God. And so we trust you in those things. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen.